All right, welcome to the show, everyone. Tennessee Wildcast, Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency weekly program. It's our podcast. Jason Harmon right here. How's it going, Doug? Mr. Extra. Doing yeah. good. How are you doing? Doing good. Been a good weekend. Yeah. Ready for a good week. Hunters are ready for a good week, too. Yeah. Show's a lot about them, and then it's a lot about other stuff, too. we got a special guest on this week. We'll get to in a minute. We need to talk about a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, your extras you've been putting out there. Jason does a, a lot of the shorter four or five minute pieces that we put on Facebook, getting a lot of attention, ton of information you're putting out there in just a little bit of your, a little bit of space. Yeah, it's a lot of good good information. We're going to continue to put those out and and try to get you all informed and up to date and just yeah. get out there and watch them on Facebook. There's a lot going on. Right now, there's dove fields all over our website. The ladies down in geographic information system have put a lot of time, a lot of effort into trying to make this easy. And, of course, it's yes. related to them from all these guys and gals in the field working hard on getting the dove fields ready and then sending the information into them and if you haven't been out there yet you're you're uh, you need to because it's easy you go under that hot topics there and there's a lot of dove field information now this uh, the fields even after september 1st that's when the date opens is noon september 1st uh, even after that there's still going to be dove fields open and leased fields open and a lot of good hunting ahead and that's you can reach our wildlife management areas right there depends on where you live across the state we don't care if you cross those lines go where you want to yeah wildlife management areas and then there's an interactive map out there that goes along with our lease fields and easy to find a lot of lease fields i think i counted today and this was a few days before the season starts 22 lease fields so far and there'll be more coming as they get out there on the website other things going on uh hunting guide throw that baby up there hunting guide uh, yes yeah it is out if you haven't seen the hunting guide just yet it's uh, been out for a few weeks now it's on our website too you can look it up electronically if you want to but the hard copy issue is out there all over the place people that sell hunting and fishing license have this copy of this year's license and uh, this year's guide and it's got everything in it but the waterfowl the late waterfowl season that'll come later a right. guide will that season has been set and uh, but the guide will come out a little bit later um another few weeks i guess yep mm-hmm. okay uh, a couple things coming up concerning waterfowl though uh, waterfowlers are going to get an early shot at the season first september 1st the same day that dove season starts there's an early goose season we discussed that last week limit is five a day right it's tense for you waterfowlers get out and get your feet wet a little bit and then here in a few more days and again i want you to look at the guide uh, we have the uh, early wood duck season coming up and teal, wood duck and teal. All right, so that's another chance for you to get out and have your five or six days of really good good hunting and uh, just get ready. And then then go work on your blinds, although you got drawn, and get them ready for the late waterfowl season. One thing I'd like to mention is you know, this last weekend was Saturday, the uh, opening of squirrel season, right. free hunting day. If y'all got some great pictures out there of your kids hunting and, and stuff, hashtag those with TN Wildlife or TN Trophy Room. Uh, and post them on your favorite social media site, and they'll show up in our trophy room on our website, and you can go look at those and, and see all the, the folks in Tennessee having fun in the outdoors. Well, well. All right. Anything else we need to talk about early? I can't remember. I sent you some shots, and there one or two others that um, – Who's going to be on next week? Wasn't that – Oh, Bones. Yeah, we want to show about. Bones, of course. Yeah, uh, Bones is going to be on next week. He wants to come on in the – the reason he wants to come on is he wants t-shirts. <laughs> so we're going to get Bones a t-shirt. And we're, and we're going to have a winner to announce on Facebook for the t-shirt from last week. Yeah, we but, do. Yeah. We, have a winner. we appreciate you sharing it and doing all that stuff. Here's Bones. He's a krill clerk for TWRA. And, yes, those are walleye that he checked a guy fishing from the bank. I won't say where. But, anyway, and this is Bones. I will say this. This is a Buffalo River a few years ago with a, with a smallmouth and a 
rock bass. He was showing me the difference. But anyway, Bones is a great interview. We're going to talk about the streams and what he does, and he does a lot of different things. He's big into hunter education, too. Yep. So anyway, that's next week. All right, now this week. Let's this week. widen it out. Drum roll, right. please. Yeah, drum roll. You're the drummer. <laughs> anyway, Director Carter, thanks for being on. This is Ed Carter, director of the agency, and you were on our first couple shows, and we'll remind everybody of that because they're still out there. Wonderful interviews. Appreciate you coming back. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. Always a great time to be here with you and Jason and try to catch up a little bit on what's going on. It seems to be a lot. <laughs> well, we catch up when we're – that's why we want you. Every time I sit down with you, I'm learning. I didn't know we do that, and I've been here a long time. And you're always telling me stuff I had no idea that's going on with this agency or things that you do, and you do a lot of stuff. I don't know how you keep up with all that. You know, it's good to have a lot of good people working with you to kind of keep you up to speed. And there is a lot of things going on regionally throughout the southeast. A lot of things coming up in in about a week and a half. The Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, which is the 50 states and the six territories or or five territories, we're going to get together and talk about the wildlife problems and also success stories and of course canada and mexico are part of that so we have all the migratory seasons and all that that rests between those three countries so there is a lot coming up all right and do the, do the other states have the problems we have i mean i know they're not exactly like it but when you sit down with somebody from utah arizona arkansas montana do you say that's like us just this different animal or some, <laughs> something like that you know that's true it, it Western states, of course, have some species that we don't have here, and they've had several that have been up for listing or delisting, and those and those will get to be pretty controversial subjects. Of you talk about like an endangered species list, listing and well, everything from grizzly bears to to different species of wolves. sage grouse and wolves okay. and all those things that that we right now don't have but the way things are moving into tennessee i would not be surprised we still have our cougar sightings that get people all kind of excited about what might be coming into the state and so yeah it is in a lot of ways just everybody has their own things you know you go very far south you get in into other species and you get into those states that have the marine side as well and they have all the all the things that go on with the marine environment though everything from from very sought after species like the red snapper which is a huge topic right now along the gulf states so everybody has those specific things that they're working on we border eight states so we have a lot of things that ingress and egress that that we try to work with the other states on as well and that's going to be a subject a little later in the show that's important that that all those border states we're going to talk about in a few minutes and we, on one of our topics that we'll get to in a bit. Well, there's a lot going on here in Tennessee, too, and we haven't talked about this at all yet. Um, and it's time to start talking about it. And that it's important. It may sound wonkish or, or boring when you first mentioned it, but we're changing our licensing system here in yes. Tennessee. And it's really exciting. It's mm-hmm. I think sportsmen are going to like it. Uh, the system we had is going to go away it's going to be replaced. It may be seamless to, to sportsmen. I'm not sure, Director, but what are you thinking about? A company called Brandt's going to be taking over our licensing system. What does that mean? And am I saying it correctly? It is. A, Brandt is, a, is a fairly new to some states. They're, they're actually, there are only four states, counting Tennessee, that they're working with. But they're a, they're offering some things that we haven't been able to do in the past. Uh, we've had the company we've had for years has been a great success for us, and and we've been able to do a lot of things. I think this will take us to another level. It did they brought us into the? They brought us into the twenty first century, I guess. Uh, you know that 
as most of us have worked very long, we all remember the the old paper licenses that you'd go to a licensed vendor and you'd you'd buy that, and then the agency had to do all kinds of things about picking them up, getting them back, and it was literally a physical sorting of all of those things. But now we're able to keep much better records, uh, and and that's just going to be enhanced as a new company comes on. Actually, October the first, and I hope it is seamless. In any case, they're, they're going to be able to do a lot of electronic media type promotional things that we haven't been able to do, and. There's just all kinds of programs associated that with with from keeping records and and all the things that go with that from harvest information to uh, to programs and on and on. So I, I'm I'm excited about it. Oh, I think it's going to be great, and I'm going to actually go meet with them sometime this week and talk to them about how to get sportsmen ready for it with with communications, so we can help y'all out even more. And one of the things that you're going to be seeing is a different kind of pay, a different kind of license. It's not going to be the one that looks like a grocery store receipt. It's going to be just paper. And I, it, it sounds simple, but I think you're going to like it because if you lose it, it's easy to replace. Every time you buy a new license, you, all they have to do is run it off a printer wherever you pick it up. So it's going to be really simple for them to, to work with. Each of, each of our vendors will have the opportunity to produce that type of license. And it, it won't resemble so much the as people used to call the grocery store receipt it'll look a little different and and there's also another option we're looking at i think that people will find exciting as well we're gonna we'll we'll hold on that one a little bit because i think it's really cool we're going to talk about it today and we'll just hold on to it but it's going to be a really neat option that you'll have and kind of a collector's item down the road i I think it will be i I do too i feel really good about what that's going to be anyway that's coming in october and we got a lot of time that we'll tell you about it and and uh, so you'll know what to expect. And a lot of you have already bought licenses this year, so it may not affect you until you go to buy them after the last day of February next year. But you'll need to know about it. Well, the, the contract goes into effect October the 1st. The switchover may be the 31st. Okay, that sounds right. That's right. October is our time, though, and so that gives us, Jason, four or five weeks. And we'll have it on Facebook and Twitter and, and out there so y'all can know about it. Okay. We, we, won't, we won't leave you stranded. No, we won't. <laughs> All right. All right. Also – Ed, one of the things you get to do, Director Carter, you get to do is the budget. You just got through this long, this long process that I that I had up here at the Nashville office. I watched you go through and kind of left you alone because you go into like this tunnel vision thing. It's like <laughs> he's just man, he is he is focused on what he does. I can't imagine what you do when you go home. I think you stay focused at the house, probably. But anyway, uh, it's a hard process, and you looked at every little thing. I promise sportsman that director carter is looking at every little thing to make sure dollars at this agency are being spent for the benefit of you and it's still not over i mean you still got it's a ways not. to go yeah we have approximately 450 individual budgets inside the agency so that we maintain capturing all the expenses and knowing where things go on individual projects and then we do a three-year comparison of each one of those and we sit down with all of our division chiefs and their staff all of our regional folks and their staffs and go through all of those to do exactly what you said is it being spent appropriately or are there programs that are suffering that we need to move money around so all that goes into that we take it to the commission which even before the commission meeting our budget committee of the commission meets numerous times to go over the, all the details then we go to the commission meeting the budget committee has one more last stand of looking at everything and then hopefully as they did this last time they, they pass our budget and it'll go on from there to the governor's budget and then it, it will go through three legislative reviews wow. uh, when we get there and finally it'll come out sometime around january and then you start over again <laughs> Almost. We'll start over again in the 1st of May. Okay. So what is, as it stands right now, what is TWA, what does it cost to run the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency? 
You know, that's an interesting question and one that gets hard to explain sometimes. If you look at our budget it's for this particular year, it's going to show about $111 million. But on any one year, we will spend about $80 million just because everything has to be budgeted or the programs can't go forward. And then the reason this year is so high, if, if you look at the year that we just finished and the year that we're going into, the one that we're asking for, they actually have changed less than 1%. So... Uh, those are constant, but we have to bring forward those things into this year that didn't get finished, uh, launching ramps, buildings, uh, pieces of equipment that were bought that weren't delivered, all those. So it ramps up this middle one. So anyway, $111 million budget, but probably about $80 million that will be actually spent. And how much of that do the sportsmen pay for versus some other funding mechanism? By far, the the greatest percentage is from hunting, fishing licenses, and I have to throw boat registrations in too. We don't want to get too much into the bookkeeping; it's it'll put you everybody to sleep pretty right. quickly. But but we have to keep our boating budget and our wildlife budget separate, so we have to prepare both of those individually, and the money can't be mixed. So when we bring forward our entire budget, it shows both of those, and that's the amount I just gave you for both boating and wildlife. But, but in any case, most of it comes from hunting and fishing and boat registrations. We get about 32 to 35 percent from federal assistance on both the fishery side and the wildlife side. But even that's related to boating and fishing, is it not, at some point? It is. I mean, th- those are also kept separate. There are two separate there, – there are actually seven different fundings from the, from the federal government and about six different funding things that we work inside our agency on so they all have to be interrelated and each one of them have their own little segments that you can use money for and how it's used how it's matched or not matched on it it goes on and on oh my goodness no wonder you go into tunnel vision (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i feel like i live in a tunnel (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good all right so that process is getting there and and um, you say that you'll end up with the legislature actually having to go through three committees or subcommittees. and It'll go through two in the House mm-hmm. and one in the Senate. I bet that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't count the review by the Commissioner of Finance Administration. That, that's another one. So. All right. Now, any increases this year? Were there any license increases that went in part of this budget this past year? No. Uh, you know, the last licensing increase we had was a July a year ago, and that that was based on the Consumer Price Index, which brought us up actually in today's dollars where we were 10 years ago. Okay. All right. So doing just pretty much doing what we've been doing and trying to maintain as we are. And the the other thing is a reserve. Does TWA have a reserve? Sportsmen should know if there's additional dollars out there in case we get in trouble. Is it out there? Traditionally in the past, we, we when we would have a license increase, we would build up what we called a reserve, and it would be spent down over <clears throat> usually 10 to 12 years. Uh, not quite that way anymore. As I said, we go on the consumer price index in terms of adjusting licenses, but we do keep a reserve of it, it, usually in the neighborhood of three to four months of operating expenses just in case everything falls apart for whatever reason, a natural disaster or whatever. So we have the ability to, to maintain operations, so about three months of a reserve. Okay. All right. Good. Hopefully, no, for no no uh, disasters will take place. Hope not. All right. Anything else on the budget? I'm gonna move on to some happy stuff. No, I, I'm I'm through <laughs> with the budget for a week or two. All right. The budget's important, but it uh, and and I still feel like the hunters and fishermen need to know about where their dollars are going and how hard the work is out there to make sure they go as far as they can. Anyway, speaking of going as far as they can, we got some cool properties 
both of these happen to be over in, in West Tennessee, and I honestly don't know much about them. One of them is the Beasley property, and I know we're going to have a sort of a grand opening over there pretty soon that you've been working on uh, with Donald Hossie here at the agency and others. Donald is our outreach coordinator across the state, and if, if you've ever participated in any kind of hunt with our agency, Donald's been in the middle of it. But you know, what is the Beasley property, and what's the significance of it? Tom and Wendy Beasley have owned the piece of property about 1,500 acres of, in Waverly, near Waverly, actually, Humphreys County, uh, not far from the Tennessee River. And f- for over 20 years, Tom has just pretty much allowed the agency to utilize the property as if it were our own uh, to hold wounded warrior hunts, becoming outdoor woman programs, youth hunts, all those things to put together to have something that, that would introduce people into the outdoors or, in the case of wounded warriors, to some of those have actually never hunted and which is seems unique in a way but just introducing people to what the outdoor lifestyle is like and and as i say tom has just turned that over to us and we have a, a ton of people who volunteer to go in and help put those hunts on and we're now we have purchased that property tom was looking to sell it and we said i'm really going to shorten this up we can't afford it. <laughs> he said, what if I make you a deal? And so the agency can only pay appraised value, of course. Well, we got it super under, 25% under appraised value so that we could actually make that that purchase. We'll donate and we'll have the opening on the 7th of September. And then from there on out, the Tom said, I'll, I'll do this as long as it remains an outreach, an education center, obviously a wildlife refuge, but at the same time, I want those kind of programs going. I want the legacy of the outdoors to exist. So that's what it will be called, an outreach and education center. What a nice guy. Oh, he, he's a super guy. That's, that's pretty incredible. That's a great donation to the future for everybody. And then we have another piece of property called Lone Oak. It's also in West Tennessee. Where is the Beasley property, did I say? It, did yeah, say? it's in Humphreys County, just near okay. Waverly. All right, and then where is, there's one called Lone Oak that's that's – on the horizon somewhere out there maybe kind of far horizon but it's coming it's it actually belongs to the university of tennessee part of their ag extension program began as a as an idea to enhance the 4-h center down there when Milan, the the camp at Milan has shut down uh again a, a very generous benefactor sold the property to the university of tennessee at way under cost it's going to be a world-class center when it's over it has 13 residences that will be able to house people. It has 19 lakes wow. and ponds. Wow. It's got like uh, 15 miles of riding, walking trails. Uh, it has wildlife demonstration areas already present there. They're also going to build a, a, a corporate retreat and a 4-H center there as well, so it'll be utilized year-round. The agency's helping on managing the lakes and ponds, the wildlife demonstration areas, and we're also giving a significant grant to build a firing range for the two local high schools to do their their uh, scholastic uh, shooting sports, and then we're also going to utilize that for part of the, the whole training program that Lone Oaks has. All right, and I understand it's also a working farm, too, so you kind of got that mix of agriculture and outdoors, or am I wrong? It, is, okay. no, it has been a working farm, and okay. they, they want to keep some of that for demonstration purposes to to show the 4-H community and, and I know a lot of people probably who are listening to this were involved in 4-H programs at one time or another yeah. so they'll have a sense of what that's about okay and that's uh, that the Beasley property is going to happen considerably a long time before Lone Oaks will be open to everybody or is that L- Lone Oaks is open now for small events okay. through the University of Tennessee Ag Center down uh, Ben West is actually their coordinator so if 
trying to get in touch with him that would that would give you all the information you need to know he works out of jackson so but anyway yeah that, that that's yet to come some small events there but but the busy property will kind of be seamless again to use that word we hope going into this whole season the youth hunts the becoming an outdoor woman all those things will go on a schedule okay all right and and just since we're on the area of property we have a lot of wildlife management areas across the state not just in west tennessee all across the state are we continuing as an agency to to pick up properties for public or are we kind of where we're going to be for a while we're still continually trying to buy property where we can and we have a as you might guess a plan we're not just randomly buying a piece of property when it comes it has to make sense it has to fit into to our scheme of either building corridors for wildlife migration or enhancing an existing area that's already there or something unique we're we're working around like headwaters of streams that need to be protected and, and those kind of things that that are very focused in what we're trying to do and builds into the wildlife plan we manage about a million and a half acres now but we've a lot of that we don't own. We're just we're leasing for one reason or another, or working in combination with like Tennessee Valley Authority or Corps of Engineers, those kind of projects. But but we do have plans to continue to 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 go forward, enhance what we have to a point to, to when we get to the point that we think that it has met the plans for the future. Well, this is the hundredth anniversary of the national parks, and so it's kind of easy to think where would we be without the vision that those people had to to establish national parks that's on a smaller scale and a, and a more focused scale that's what we're doing okay and are we are, are we similar to other states in that respect i know director of that out west they have a sometimes controversial large federal lands that that, that are open for different purposes we're not like that in tennessee are, are, are more states like us or more states like the ones out west uh, I would, I would divide it east and west, and would most you? of the eastern states are very similar. Most of the western states are similar, but large acreages of land in, in the western part of the world or western part of the United States. And the, there are many, many federal agencies. We, we have many in the east as well, but at the same time, we, we, we work not so closely with the like Bureau of Land Management and some of the others that are in the western states. But here we work all the time with U.S. Forest Service, with, and I mentioned TVA, the Corps of Engineers, and, of course, the National Park Service because they manage quite a bit of land as well. Okay. All right. And that, that is uh, something that will always be here, right? Well beyond Director Carter's term here and Director Myers before you. That's our vision that my great-grandkids will have a place to go to not only hunt and fish but to observe wildlife or just enjoy that kind of experience. And throw in one last thing for last several years we've spent virtually no license dollars to do that all of the land that we've been able to get has either been through a special wetlands fund or by people like mr beasley who donate their land at a significantly reduced price so that we can use some federal assistance so we're not i don't want the sports people to think that we're spending all of our money on on land acquisition which is i think very important but at the same time but we're not we're acquiring that land in a different way to their benefit Okay. All right. Uh, speaking of folks, you, you mentioned volunteers a while ago, and I do want to mention volunteers you, helping out with the work that's gone on the Beasley property. Uh, 
we are an agency that requires or that depends on volunteers for something from range safety officers to all these hunting education courses we do free fishing days so forth and so on your chance to give a shout out to volunteers who help this agency oh there are so many and they're in varied programs everything from fisheries to wildlife to hunter education to all the programs in the outreach area that you mentioned with with that don hossie coordinates so that there are a great number and as i've said before we're aptly named the volunteer state because we have so many volunteers we couldn't do the programs we have without them yeah and jim stroud is up jim is just if you pointed out that you can't point out just one because they're all great but jim's been around he's a he's a friend of both of ours jake's and all of our friends and jim is one of those guys he's volunteered since i started like 100 years ago he's he is he's an extraordinary guy but there's there's guys and gals like him all over the place there there really are jim was the volunteer of the year you know two years ago i think maybe three but any case that the hunter education program where there's about 1100 to 1300 volunteer instructors they've been there constantly since about 1972 all right helping with all kinds of uh, projects that we do and uh, if you go to if you go to a shooting range and you see a range safety officer he or she's not out there making money he's out there because they want to be they want to help and it's on and on and on okay with what we got time we got four or five minutes left at your card i want to talk about chronic wasting disease this has been the subject at, at recent commission meetings and it was a subject of a long, um, I think it was a long teleconferencing committee meeting and then and our commission meeting. And then the commission meeting held recently um, over in Crossville. Um, and if you want to watch it, you can. You can Jason puts the streaming yep. videos up of all the uh, of all the commission meetings, and you can go watch the, the discussion yourself. Link right there on our website. Right, right there. Anyway, lots of concern about chronic wasting disease. What is that, and why could it be so detrimental to Tennessee? And then we'll go from there. Well, it's neither a bacteria nor a virus, but it, it it hits any animal pretty much in the cervidae family, which is the deer, deer elk, and all that kind of thing. And it's it's most probably comparable to mad cow disease for people who have seen that in the news for so many times. It started in the western states uh, and has moved all over. There are many states now that have chronic wasting disease, and what it does is essentially it has the opportunity to decimate a deer herd. It usually hits the older animals of the four to five year old and, and up, but it could go younger, but it usually takes four to five years to, before you know that the animal actually has it. So it has, in some states, cost them literally millions of dollars in trying to combat it and we're trying to keep that from coming into tennessee there are some of our as i said the eight border states that we have uh, arkansas was the most recently hit and then they got hit very hard uh, missouri uh, virginia ohio there there are many states that have it so the commission was looking how can we can best keep that from coming here so i guess very long story short they put in in into the regulation that any state that is positive for chronic wasting disease will if you go to that state to hunt and it's not a border state for if you go out west and it's one of those states then you're going to have to follow the procedures and you can find those on our website i won't go into all those details but essentially it's deboning and those kind of things before you bring it back into the state if it's a border state if it's within 150 miles of tennessee border that whole state is also considered an area that you'll have to do that whole procedure uh, if it's not 150 miles then in virginia for example those counties that they've established as their containment zone or the counties that we will recognize that you can't bring deer into tennessee unless it meets the procedure once that 
disease pops up again anywhere within 150 miles of the border, the whole state will become positive. Okay. That just means restrictions. There's nothing about banning here, right? You can still go hunt. It's just restrictions of what you bring back and how you how you handle it. Yeah, the state that's not banned, and that word's used a lot. It's not it's just I've, a I've restriction. That. Yeah. There, it's a restriction that if you take an animal in those states that are positive, you have to follow the procedures on deboning and cleaning the animal before you bring it back into a either a processor or a taxidermist. Okay, and this this is a it's a it's called a prion or prion and it's like a folded protein or something in the it's a mutated protein a mutated protein and i think the concern isn't the concern often uh this gets started because you have a lot of proximity with sometimes with with enclosed uh cervids or deer or elk we know that moving the carcasses because they're virtually indestructible once they get into the animal even fire even going into the soil all those things it's it's virtually indestructible but but yeah you're right it's it can be done that way, but in almost every case, it's been from captive animals, and it has spread to wild animals through the captive. Okay, and also it's it, it is contagious, right? That's it is yes. Okay, so that's one of the big fears. Very so, contagious. So we will we'll let them know. Is it too early to say whether Arkansas is in that 150 miles this year? Do we know? It is. It is. The, the entire state of Arkansas and Missouri are both. So that's the entire state. Yep. So only Virginia that's touching us still isn't in that zone. Right. All right. All right, Director Carter, I appreciate your time. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Y'all, we could go on and on with you, uh, on and on and on and on. I want to remind you, Director Carter has his own Twitter. Yeah. And he Twitters. And I want you to go out there and and encourage him to Twitter more. (laughs) It's TWA Director, okay? And we have a Twitter page. T and Wildlife. T and Wildlife. All right. Facebook page. Yeah, we're out there. Uh, You can watch this show and more on our website, tandwildlife.org. Uh, they're there every week. The new ones are posted, and the old ones are on our website. So you can go watch them and stay connected and see what we're doing. And you don't want to miss Bones next week. We'll see you then. Yeah. Thank you, Director Carter. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Director.